Have you ever lost your focus? Probably. There are an uncountable number of distractions in today's day and age. But what happens when we don't have a choice to lose focus? When the stakes are just too high? If you pierce that bubble and you get anxious in the moment, it's very hard to regain that mental aspect of things and get control again to move forward. You feel sort of paralyzed. And and that could be really crippling if you're sitting on a ledge with 500 feet below you and 500 feet above you. It, it, you can feel very much alone. Is it worth it to subject yourself to something potentially dangerous in order to find reward on the other side? Let's find out. This is Mountain Meister. Who are the Mountain Meisters? Committing to the goal and galvanizing you and your team behind that one single focus. Being at peace with that fear and being okay with it. You gain a real appreciation for your life and for what you have. Learn about their extreme lives on rock, snow, and ice with your host, Ben Shank. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mountain Meister. Welcome to another episode of Mountain Meister. This is Ben, your host. And today, with me on Mountain Meister, I have Jason Haas. Jason, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's great to have you. Jason is the co-owner of FixPin and a math teacher. What kind of math do you teach? Teach high school algebra and algebra two, kind of like trigonometry stuff. Very good. Yeah, I remember those classes. Yeah. Um, so you have quite the climbing resume, though, at least from what I read. But you <laughs> you don't climb for a, a living. You're a math teacher for a living. I'm reading 23 first ascents. Oh, I don't know uh, where you got that information. I would, um, I mean, probably the last I cataloged it, it was over 550. Whoa. 550 yeah wow how do you how do you even do that many first ascents wow uh well <laughs> guidebooking really makes that easy because you just sort of climb everything and you come real intimate with the area and you know what has and what has not been done and uh i just like to climb something new at least new to me you know it doesn't have to be a first ascent but it kind of lends itself to first ascent climbing that's incredible. Do Have you met other climbers who have like kind of that attitude of, I want to find a new thing each time? Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's sort of that personality uh, and a type of climber. And so you just sort of gravitate towards each other and, and you kind of find each other. And that's who your main partners are. People that don't enjoy first ascenting don't really come back out on the rocks with me. And people that do... You know, those are my main partners time and time again. Huh. So what are the reasons why people don't like first ascents? Um, there's the physical workload of it. If you're going to be bolting or you're just going to be humping up a lot of gear to the crag, that's just a lot of weight that you otherwise maybe don't have to. It's inefficient use of time when you know where the route goes and how to get up it and how to get off it. Mm. You can get a lot more climbing in. And also just there's that mental aspect of the unknown. Some people don't like that and some people really do like that hmm. i think i'm the latter yeah it sounds like it 550 <laughs> wow we, we uh we talked to sasha de julian about she's done some big time uh first female ascents and i asked her if it feels any different 
to do something for the first time, to be the first person to do something? Let's ask you that question too. Does it feel any different to do something for the first time versus a climb that is maybe equal in difficulty? Um, sometimes, but I think if it's new to me, they tend to always feel that same way of that it's something different. I think the ones that really stand out are when they're first free ascent, if they were an aid route before, and people have been there, and yet you're looking at it from a different viewpoint and have this different sort of lens of can it be free climbed? And that, to me, is a much more different um, experience and in mental aspect than just a first ascent. Mm -hmm. So inevitably, we need to talk about free soloing. You're the first person that I have had on the show to talk about free soloing, and I have been dying uh, to talk to somebody about this. Let me first say that I have absolutely no experience with free soloing, (laughs) uh, but I am going to poke you with some potentially difficult questions um, because I can't quite understand it it's 100 percent out of my risk tolerance also probably out of my mother's risk tolerance <laughs> um, <laughs> so people know free soloing uh mainly due to alex honnold and Pro- 60 minutes did that unbelievable piece on him uh, but there are others out there who do it and you are one of those people uh what is the like why why do you do it you know it's a great question and I think every person that you ask will give you a different version of it I think there's some commonalities there I think it's a very personal experience and something that really for me keeps me honest with myself about what I feel comfortable with what I don't feel comfortable with what I can and cannot do and and I like to be able to have those conversations with myself of being like real introspective of like, why am I doing this? What's my motivation? Um, and it kind of keeps me grounded, I think. Hmm. So you take us to one of those experiences, take us like on the wall with you. You have no ropes, no equipment with you. You're just climbing. What are you experiencing? Uh, a lot of stillness, very, very peaceful mind state. I think that if there's any anxiety there, then I have to question if this is the route for me and should I be doing it and should I be here or not. But when you're on the wall, you don't really have an option, right? Well, yes and no. Um, For the most part, I try to do things that I could reverse, even if they're quite difficult. I am real slow and methodical free soloing. And while it's still quicker than roping up because you don't have to mess with gear and belays and stuff, you still kind of move this nice rhythm that that sort of allows you to think about I'm in control and I could go backwards if I want to. And I've definitely gotten to places where if I went any further, I wouldn't be able to go in reverse if I needed to. And so I've just decided to climb down and, and not continue on. And maybe it's easier than a you know great difficulty that I can handle. But still the assessment at the moment was today this isn't for me. Hmm. But what about those times? I'm sure you've been in scenarios where you can't climb down, right? You've done routes that um, essentially in the Alex Honnold 60 Minutes episode, he was doing um, the nose and there was really no going back once he started. Yeah, there's definitely been some scenarios there, both with free soloing and both with with X-rated headpoint kind of routes. Mm -hmm. Um, They're very memorable. And I've actually only been there once with a free solo. And... 
it made me sort of question again about sort of was I prepared for this? Am I doing this for the right reasons? Am I in the right mind state? What was your conclusion? Um, that it probably wasn't. I had done an on-site free solo of the obelisk on the diamond in Colorado. And it it's fairly long and went up there, probably not in the best mind state of sort of rushing it and had only briefly read the description about what the crux looked like, which was to me really secure, blew off the slightly easier pitch below it, which was um, this thin hand crack and I have sort of fat hands. So it became very committing as soon as I got into that, that I had to kind of keep going and I hadn't really assessed what the route was really all about before I committed to, to doing it without a rope. And, and I think that was an error on my part. While I made it through unscathed and no big deal in terms of like I didn't feel real insecure and like I was going to fall. I mean, the point was very much that now some of the decisions being made were out of my control. You know, I've said on this show before, and this is like a proven psychological theory, that we as humans have a difficult time looking back at our decisions and evaluating them properly, especially when the result turned out to be a good one. So in your case, it would have been really easy for you to just look back at that situation and say, okay, everything turned out okay, and then your brain kind of makes you think that you made the good decision when in actuality it was a bad one. But it sounds like you do realize that maybe it was a bad decision. So kudos to you. So what what can go wrong? We we know that obviously you can slip and fall off of the wall. And obviously all of this stuff pretty much leads to guaranteed death. What else can go wrong that's out of your control? Well, you could deal with loose rock. You could deal with birds sort of flying out at you. Mm-hmm. You can deal with... Um, things falling down, whether that's other rock or debris or people, you know, throwing a rope down or, or that distraction of nearby climbers. If you happen to be climbing near them or things like that. Um, but the bigger concern for myself would be you could sort of lose the mental edge that you have. If you sort of, you're in this very narrow bubble, again, this control and only about three feet around you matters. If you pierce that bubble and you get anxious in the moment, it's very hard to regain that mental aspect of things and get control again to move forward. You feel sort of paralyzed. And and that could be really crippling if you're sitting on a ledge with 500 feet below you and 500 feet above you. You know, it, it, you can feel very much alone. Mm. I'm going to give you a little scenario. I want to see how you react to this, okay? And this is not a climbing scenario by any means. So we're going to flip a coin, okay? Heads or tails first? Pick one? Yep. Heads. Heads. Okay. So if you lose the bet, which means that the coin lands on tails, you lose $100. And if the coin lands on heads, which you chose, then you win $150. 150 versus losing 100 Are you going to take that bet with me? I would not. You would not. How, how much would you need to receive for winning? If it's not 150 do you have like a number that you would choose to receive? I would say it's the opposite of the monetary amount that I could win or lose. It would be the percentage, the 50-50 odds uh, I wouldn't really gamble on. Hmm. Okay. It would be be very minimal. I'd have to win, you know, 
200 bucks and lose maybe 20 bucks. Okay, so a 10 to 1 ratio. Mm-hmm. Of, okay. The average person says that they would need to be compensated $200 for the $100 bet. So that's a 2 to 1 ratio. You want a 10 to 1 ratio. So you are even more risk averse than the average human. (laughs) All right. Yet you are free solo rock climbing. Do you see the free soloing as that much of a risk then? I don't. No, I, I... Again, I feel like I'm completely in control. I, I love my life, and I want to keep living it. Um, and free soloing allows me to appreciate aspects of that. But again, if I was in doubt of it, then I wouldn't do it. Yeah. The risk to me has to be very small. It's incredible. I, I can't relate to it. Uh, and half of the reason is because I don't do it, I'm sure. But also, it's just so difficult. I'm sure, and I'm sure when you talk to people about this, they, you get the question, like, what are you thinking? Yeah. Um, it's it's hard to describe. And sometimes you're in a different mind of why you're there in the first place. But I would say while I'm, like, the where my mind is at and what I'm thinking before I, I partake in it versus actually in the moment and when i'm actually in the moment my mind is very free it's very clear i'm not really thinking of anything other than what i'm doing and i'm just sort of trying to find that rhythm and just sort of flow up the rock climb yeah so what about the difference between when you solo climb versus when you uh climb being roped in we've heard the expression like your life depends on it which essentially implies that you're going to perform better when your life depends on it do you perform better when you free solo yeah i would say so i I think that i'm more cautious on every move i can be a little haphazard with the easy climbing when i'm roped up because if i fall like oops i slipped and i'll fall you know five ten feet on a rope and, and then it'll catch me and the only thing hurt was probably my ego um so I'm not as methodical on it. And maybe I'm rushed through that climbing. And especially if I am familiar with the route, if I've done it a couple of times, I just sort of just move up the rock and, and don't put a lot of thought into it. But without a rope, every move is very well thought out. And, and you, can, you can sort of, I don't know, you, you become a part of that rock climb a little bit. You, you take that experience a little bit deeper. That makes sense mm-hmm. of sort of, of, in some ways, like a Native American thought process around sort of becoming one with their land and, and all that stuff and, and that spiritual connection. Hmm. Very interesting. Do you do you think that because you, you feel that connection that it can, maybe addicting isn't the right word, but you really just don't get that sensation after um, climbing when you're roped in? Do you think that that can become addicting, I guess? It can be. Yeah, it certainly can be. And I think that it can be more so if you haven't really had an honest conversation with yourself about why you're doing it. If you're looking for it as an adrenaline rush, then that's really bad. And and if you're looking at it, I don't know, you know, it's really hard philosophically about why you do it. And if you're looking for it to have this, this moment to, to have an honest conversation with yourself and, and kind of connect with yourself and sort of reset your balance. I don't think that you want to do it all the time. I mean, it's something that you do and it's something that 
it's just part of climbing. You sport climb, you track climb, you do a little soloing. Um, but it's not the type of climbing that I always, you know, would engage in. Right, right, right. So do you still free solo? You know, I have a two-year-old son and I have a, a daughter that's going to be born in, in just over a month. And it has cut way, way back. I used to, before um, my son was born, and and sadly to admit, uh, while I was still married, I would free solo quite a bit and I would free solo at a much more difficult level than I do now. And again, you, when you go back to that risk management uh, statement, while I don't think free soloing is very risky for myself, I do acknowledge that there's inherent risk in it and that anything could happen. Uh, so I'm trying to mitigate that risk even more. Hmm. So I do do it on occasion because I find it very freeing and and really great to just be able to move. Um, but I don't do it to the, to the level I did before I had kids. I mentioned my mother earlier in this interview and how free soloing is probably out of her risk appetite for me. You have parents, right? And what, what do the people that you love think of free soloing? Well, one is I think that they don't have a full grasp of what rock climbing looks like and the nuances of it, the difference between top roping, lead climbing, and soloing. And they have seen photos and some video of all aspects of that with me and and I think that they see all of it as extremely dangerous and similar to what you're experiencing with me <laughs> yeah and, and they have somewhat of the the sort of they prefer not to know some of the extent of it um but I would say that they're always worried about me perhaps sometimes more than they need to because if I just go say bouldering they think that that's also very dangerous and don't realize that you know, most likely the worst that's going to happen is a broken ankle or something. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think at the end of the day, they, they wish that I, I didn't do it in some respects, but also I think that they've seen what kind of happiness it's also brought me Yeah, that it's helped me mature as a person and they appreciate that that's my outlet for that. Yeah, absolutely. So I was going to draw a comparison that that little scenario that we put you in earlier with the coin flip, the upside potential is basically this internal reward that you get and this faster climbing. And for the most part, we've talked about kind of the downside, but there is that upside that uh, people may not always see where that comes from, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's hard to put into words. And even if I, you know, th- there's been people that have adequately described it from my point of view of, yes, I can relate to that, but I still think it would be very hard to connect it to someone say, such as yourself that has no experience in it and doesn't seem to have a desire to do it. So it's really hard to try and say, what do I get out of it to a degree for you to truly grab it and go, okay, great. Exactly. I was trying to think of some sort of comparison, uh, like so we could you know, talk about a, like a parallel that we could talk about so I could understand more. And I just... I don't think that that is possible. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't found a lot of things that, that I could compare it to either. I've done what you'd consider extreme sports in the past, and a lot of those are adrenaline-based. Um, they're not so introspective, you know, base jumping, um, things like that, that you get a great rush out of, but I personally don't get that whole 
internal dialogue from those sort of activities. So I can't really compare the two. And I don't think that they're the, the same. Um, and I'm not an avid base jumper, but I consider that sport to be much more risky for free soloing, at least for myself. Interesting. So you were telling me a little bit earlier that you found yourself much more scared, at least in these X-rated climbs. Uh, first of all, tell us, if our listeners aren't familiar, what an X-rated climb is and why you feel that way versus soloing. So an X-rated route would be a, a rock climb that doesn't have very good protection, where you're most likely to do extreme bodily harm, meaning paralyze yourself or um, die if you fall from the wrong spot. And a lot of times, routes with an X rating, unless they have sort of a sub rating, that means from the most difficult spot. So a 511X rated route would mean that the climbing difficulty is 511, and if you fell from that 511 section you're going to probably go all the way to the ground from wherever you are. And I feel they're, they're different than free solos. One is they're typically routes that I haven't done before. So in free soloing, sometimes a lot of times I do routes that I've already done before, but not always. Um, but there's a lot of times there's this lore behind them, especially in Boulder where there's just a lot of legends and a lot of, climbing history going way, way back. And so you, you know, lots of books, lots of movies, lots of big personalities that live in town. And so when you try and go up and repeat some of these test piece death routes that, you know, there's, there's sort of these, you're trying to stand on, on the shoulders of giants and it's intimidating whether the, the route ends up being difficult. You've built it up in your head more so than a free solo, at least for myself. Are there people that sh- are there people out there that think that X-rated routes shouldn't exist? Absolutely. Yeah, there's a there's a really big divergence in opinion. There's those that think that every route should be accessible to everybody, which means that if there's any hint at danger, then you should put a bolt there. Um, and then there's the other camp that would say you don't need to be able to climb every rock climb. Don't bring it down to your level rise to the level of the rock and if this one's too difficult or too dangerous for you then move on there's a lot more out there and you know pick something else to climb so you have such a passion it sounds like for these uh roots and i guess that's where this uh guidebook business comes from can you tell our listeners a little bit about fix pin and god 550 first ascents i I can't wrap my around my mind around that (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah i own Fixed Pin Publishing with uh, my partner, Ben Schneider. We started it together. We were both teachers and uh, looking for something to do with our summers. And again, I just like to climb new routes, whether that's a first ascent or just something that's new to me. And so I like to just explore and keep moving. And and that mentality and exploring just kind of lends itself to writing books. And that passion's kind of spilled over into helping other people write their books and publish their books as well. Very cool. How about how about giving our listeners a book, Jason? I can send you some books. You want to send a you want to give a book away to one of our listeners? Absolutely. All right. Stay tuned for after the show. I put you on the spot there, Jason. Nice work. Yeah, no problem. Stay tuned for our listeners after the show, and we'll tell you how you can win uh, one of these guidebooks. Also, what we want to get from you, Jason, is a gear recommendation. We like to get one from every guest on our show, and you can pick pick one or two items. Give our listeners something that you don't really go anywhere without. 
So I have two things that somewhat seems obscure. So one would be not just a nut tool itself, but uh, Trango makes this shark nut tool that has a knife on the end of it. Hmm. And to me, that's really important to have a knife that has gotten me out of a lot of hairy situations when I've had to cut a rope or make an anchor and cut some things like that. Um, as well as also the stewardship side of it, of you just see a lot of trash webbing hanging out that's not safe to re- repel on, so you just cut it out and mm. make sure that you reduce that visual impact. So it, see, it serves a lot of great purposes, and it's extremely light and really functional. The other one that's really funny is uh, I use a double-length runner or a long piece of webbing all the time. I like to go climbing with my dogs, and I've uh, it serves as a dog leash, but more times than not, it's served as some sort of piece of protection when people think, you know, there's no way that there's going to be able to protect this and it's going to be dangerous. And you go, give me my dog leash. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden a dangerous situation now becomes pretty, pretty safe. Very good. Both of those resources on Jason's Meister profile page on our website, mtnmeister.com. On the knife there, I, I don't carry a knife, but I have been told when you have one, you find so many different ways to use it. And I have a friend who it, it seems like every single time I see him, an opportunity comes up where he can use his knife and he's so happy about it. <laughs> yeah, and even with the nut tool combination, it's my fork half the times. It's, you know, you have like a can of peaches. I can stab it in. Like, it's great. It helps me eat and it helps me climb. It's it's like the perfect thing that everybody should have in their rack. Excellent. Uh, thank you, Jason. To wrap things up, just one more question. And I like to ask this uh, to all of our guests because it evokes different answers from different people. You know, you, you are a very successful climber and probably have inspired a lot of the people listening to this show are there any climbers or even other athletes or a classification of person that kind of inspires you? Yeah. I mean, thanks. I, I, I'm flattered by that. I don't, I don't know if I really agree with your statement, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, yeah, there's a lot of guys out there that really inspire me. And the ones that inspire me the most would be the guys that are really pursuing the adventure side of things. And I also really respect the guys that are giving back. Um, And that could mean a lot of stewardship things, whether that's helping out raise awareness for a crag or the access fund or something or replacing bolts and stuff like that. But climbing inherently is a very self-centered sport. It has to be, right? It's you Mm -hmm. versus the rock climb. It's not a team sport or anything like that. And so it's real easy to get lost in that world and those guys that can step outside of that and help others, I, you know, I really respect. And, and some of those guys, and in particular, Tommy Caldwell, who is is the master of sort of all disciplines of climbing, um, but also a genuinely nice, down-to-earth guy, always easy to talk to, very approachable, um, and, and I think really represents climbing well to to other climbers and also non-climbers alike um and and then there's other guys you know josh wharton also really going out there and climbing really hairy things in patagonia and pakistan and just following his dreams and more so being able to do it with a kid and and trying to manage that risk and balance that 
life with his his family. Jason Haas, wonderful having you on the show. Thank you for joining us and letting me hammer you with questions about free solo rock climbing. For the listeners, check out more about today's episode. You can see highlights on our website, mtnmeister.com. Jason, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Meister fans, hello. Thank you for listening to that episode with Jason Haas. What an interesting look at free solo rock climbing. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. For those of you who heard in the episode and are still listening, we are giving away a book, The Rock Climber's Training Manual from Michael and Mark Anderson. This thing isn't just a book. It's basically a staple when it comes to training for rock climbing. And now that the winter is here, what is more appropriate? Now, similar to other giveaways that we do on this show, we only give the free stuff to the people who need it most. If we're giving away a rock climbing manual, we want it to go to somebody who climbs. So the first person to send a picture of him or her climbing wins this free book. Ready, set, go. You can send it to us through email, ben at mtnmeister.com, or you can send it to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just make sure you tag us so we can see it. Go. Enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do when you listen to this podcast. Until next time, I am your host, Ben Shank.